Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause, where we talk about this time of life, mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. Each week, I'm joined by top professionals dropping their tips and advice. Remember, episodes drop every Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a beat. And if you like this podcast, please rate and review it. Thank you, because this helps others to find the show. You can check out our website, find out which episodes are coming up, and get the latest blog and advice by going to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com, and get ready to thrive, not just survive, through perimenopause and beyond. Welcome to another episode, my lovely listeners, with me, Clarissa, on Thriving Through Menopause. And I've got such a treat this today, such a special guest that's joining me to talk really about why we should be educating women on menopause so much more and how we can take steps to doing that. She is, of course, Professor Joyce Harper. Welcome to the show, Joyce. Lovely to meet you, Clarissa. Well, it's lovely to meet you. You're an author, an academic, a scientist, an educator, and currently you are a professor of reproductive science at University College London, and you are head of the Reproductive Science and Society within the Institute of Women's Health, as well as lots of other really great accolades and academic background in embryology and now you've got a real passion for menopause and following your twitter i know you've been doing some fantastic research into menopause as well so that's where we meet everybody listeners it's on twitter tell me a little bit more about from your perspective how is menopause perceived right now despite all the huge conversation what's really going on we have created, in, in the UK, and I must say, have, I travel a lot and speaking to people from different countries, it's very, very different in different countries. But in the UK, we've created a hugely negative narrative. And even though we are now discussing the menopause in, in all reaches of media, etc., in the UK, which is great, I'm just concerned the way this is heading, because there's, there's been three documentaries on the menopause recently, which I'm embracing because they they're getting those discussions going but they're all doom and gloom and we've got two main points here first is that some women don't have a difficult what we call perimenopause period the period before they go through the menopause the majority do yes and we can address that of course but there's some that don't but the most important point for me is that post-menopause many many women feel a new part of their life they feel that they're blossoming into a, a new time when they can really do what they want to do and have a very very exciting part of life and we don't talk about that so what we have is I've, I've spoken to so many women in their 40s recently who just feel scared frightened uh very nervous about going through the menopause because of all this doom and gloom we've created they think they're going to become excuse the word but they're going to go old hags <laughs> they do they say oh i'm going to age i'm going to look terrible i'm going to you know all these terrible things are going to happen to me so we i really don't want us to scare women i want us to embrace this time of our life it's going to happen anyway 
So let's embrace it. I'm a very positive person and I know that annoys some people and they think, oh, we need to be real. But I am real. I, I feel my positive attitude on life has really helped me. And I think the last 10 years for me, I've, I've told this many times, have been the best years of my life. You know, when we're 18, we're worrying about money, jobs, career, university, relationships, all these things we're worried about. When we're in our 50s, we don't have to worry about anything. You know, we've ticked our to-do list. We hopefully are fit and healthy. And, and hopefully we'll talk about exercise. I think that's absolutely crucial to uh, having a really good life post-menopause. Um, and we can do what we want to do. We can be selfish and say, right, what do we want to do in this time of our life now? Which is, it can be an amazing, amazing time. Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree with that now because my listeners know that I'm in my 60s and the last 10 years have been transformative. Yes. I've, you know, chucked in a corporate career that <laughs> I loathed in the end. I, I mean, I loved it. And then I ended up hating it because it was just not where I wanted to be. And now I've done what I've wanted to do. And my son is off my hands, which is, <laughs> I'm delighted about that, you know, six, seven years since he moved away. And, you know, we have a freedom. And I and I do think you're right. There is a, it is cultural, this, because there are very different narratives around ageing around the world. Uh, for me, who's lived in lots of different parts of the world, I mean, certainly in Asia, and here where I live in Sweden, there's a very positive um, ageing narrative. I mean, my neighbours are much older than me and they are fit on the go, doing this, doing that. And we're like, wow, you know, amazing, amazing. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So we have a lot of work to do, us positive people who are really enjoying this time <laughs> and enjoying our freedom. Freedom's the right word. You know, we really have a lot to do to convince the younger generations that this is a great time of our life and we should embrace each stage of life as we go through it. And it all brings riches. Um, we just need to go into them with the right frame of mind and we need to make sure that people yeah. know that it's it's going to be fine and it could even be much more than fine. It could be terrific. Yeah, I, I agree. But I think what's interesting is that you said these women in their 40s and what's I'm seeing that probably concerns me is how much this conversation around the negative is spreading. So what has started in the UK seems to have taken a root and is spreading to the US, to Australia, even here in Europe a bit, that menopause is something that's hard. And obviously there are, you know, psychological, neurological reasons why we suck up the uh, negative, but, um, but I'm seeing that, and that concerns me. I mean, what have your observations been, Joyce? A ab absolutely. Um, I've So talking about my research, I've done two surveys um, in the last year on, on the menopause. One for the over 40s. We published our first paper from that, and, and I'm just writing the next two. Um, and then one for under 40s. I want to hear from women. What do they think about this what do they know about this how do they feel about their experiences about these different life stages the first paper we published was the perimenopause paper and now we've got the postmenopause paper we're just finishing off off now so hearing from those women and, and the under 40s really i had one woman on twitter say why are you sending me this survey i'm only 36 i was like 
because I want to hear what you think about the menopause because at some time you're going to go through it. So anyway, we've got lots of work to do around that. But this negative narrative. So if I was going to make a documentary and these documentaries that we've had have had a lot of effect on women and there's all these um, celebrities who are now menopause advocates and they're out there saying all these uh, things, some of which I don't quite agree with or very much don't agree with. And we've got to make sure that we have a documentary that is more balanced and more positive. I think actually we need to go totally the other way and do a super positive one, which actually I would rather just all three (laughs) had sort of been down the middle and talked about the good and the bad things about what women will go through. And I mean, my, my first thing I would say in a documentary if I was teaching any women is to explain to them about the symptoms, what the symptoms are, and then what you can do to help alleviate them. Um, and and yes. and also talk about obviously what life is then like post-menopause and what it can be like for women. And I, I see many people, uh, men and women, uh, I, I'm, I'm 60 in a few months, and I see many women and men at this age um, they they almost contract. They they almost uh, they 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 want to retire. They don't. I say, what what are you going to do when you retire? Oh, I don't know. They're they're almost shrinking. They're shrinking their work life. They're shrinking their social life. They're um, becoming more insular, and and that really worries me. And I think I mean I love it that coaching has become much more popular now. And I think everyone needs a coach. And I think your coach should be telling you, you know, if you if you want to, this is a time to to expand, not to contract. So I think there's so many issues that we've got to to work on, but education to me is absolutely key. We have got to educate people with the right information. Unfortunately, there's some really tricky information coming out now, especially with regards to HRT and testosterone, which many of us do not agree with. Um, Women are individuals. We're not one size fits all. And we can talk about that. But um, I want to give... Yeah, men and women, everyone, everyone needs this information because every man knows a woman. Um, they need to know this information um, to so that we can deal with it and be sensible. And it's it's actually unbelievable that we are discussing this in 2022 when women have always <laughs> gone through the menopause. And why? Why? Anyway, well. we'll we'll draw a line. We've got work to do. And podcasts such as this are are helping everyone understand and talk about this, which is great. We're we're on the way. I think so. We are on the way. And I think that's the important thing, to have the conversation and to start to have more balanced conversation. Um, But you're right. Some of the conversations I've seen and follow on social media are quite alarming, actually. They use very provocative language uh, which is setting up this context. But but I think we're right. We need balanced education. So how do we do that beyond documentaries, which have obviously touched the heart of some people? How do we actually get a more balanced education for women? Where should they be going to get correct, factual and interesting? Because I think, yes, some of it's a bit dry and a little too clinical for the the average consumer absolutely this is a great question and a question that we asked in our surveys where do you think this information how should this information be taught to you 
obviously the number one answer is it needs to start in schools and in the uk we are very lucky that um in 2019 the department for education has now put the word menopause in the uk curricula but we know other countries have work to do around that so so i've been in schools in the last few years and i've been teaching reproductive health so i start at the menstrual cycle and i end at the menopause um, and I, I asked the school kids, do you think you know anyone going through the menopause? And all the teachers are sitting on the side going, <laughs> and um, most say yes, but not all of them. And I say, that was a trick question. You absolutely know someone going through the menopause. These are teenagers. <laughs> Chances are their mums are in their 40s or 50s. So they are. Anyway, yes. but, so we've got to start at schools, but then there is no single answer. We've got to have a multi-prong approach. So Yes, we need documentaries, we need podcasts, we need um, GPs to be fully educated. We can talk about that in a minute. They're not, certainly, I think globally, (laughs) they do not understand the menopause. Very few of them understand the menopause, which is a major hurdle. Um, You know, contraception clinics, pregnancy clinics. um, And one of the uh, website, website suggestions that came up top was the official websites of societies such as the British Menopause Society and where you ask where should we go for the correct information and I've been a research scientist for 30 years so I am very fanatical about evidence-based medicine we do the studies and there are gaps in studies we need to do we need to do a lot more research around the menopause but there are studies that are done and when they're done they get published in a scientific journal and then we need to take note of them. But there, there are always conflicting scientific papers in there, and we have to be sensible how we read this. So um, unfortunately, you will get some scientific papers that sometimes could give slightly uh, ambiguous information. But then it's the societies, the professionals in this field who have analysed these scientific papers and who have written the sensible response. So in the UK, I would absolutely send people to the British Menopause Society. I was very privileged to give the keynote lecture this year. Um, And also we have the Royal College of Obs and Gynae. And I'm encouraging them to make sure they have um, literature written in a narrative that the the lay public can read. So that's publicly accessible and not just, you know, scientific and clinical speak that people don't understand. I mean, we often talk about the NICE guidelines. They're guidelines that help uh, us understand, but they are, yeah, they're, they're not easy for un- to understand at all. So we need things written for the public to be able to understand. And the British Menopause have put out some brilliant, uh, simple to read documents this year about things like HRT. And, um, but then we get people who shout louder uh, who get their voice heard and celebrities, etc., on board, yeah. who then tilt everything. And the people I speak to, the public I speak to, have often got the wrong information. Um, yes. And it's very hard to then undo something, unpick something and guide it back. So we are in a, a very delicate situation, I think, um, especially especially with regards to treatment of the menopause. I, I think that's true. And I think that's where you see women 
see, I mean, there's lots of confusion. HRT is a great space for confusion. Should I take it for life? Should I sometimes take it? Do I need testosterone? Of course, like you said, just everybody's an individual. But I mean, then you've got body identical and and bioidentical and women's heads are just that they don't know what to think. And so they, you're right, they get guided by whoever seems to shout the loudest and often has the nicest website and the most well-known faces (laughs) promoting their message, you know, um, which, which is actually really quite, quite frightening. And I see that in the U S as well. Um, Less so in other, well, here in Sweden as well, there's been a very influential blogger. Uh, She's a yoga teacher, but she's had some very quite extreme and non-scientific views, but because she wrote a book and she goes around talking, and um, we have a much quieter medical society who follow guidelines and rules quite strictly and don't speak up. Her view has become the view that is populated, yet yet, you know, that's concerning because there is a lot of scientific misinformation in that. That's exactly the situation in the UK, exactly. Um I don't think it's a secret. I've, I've been encouraging the, the societies to really speak up and speak up as quickly as they can and make make things really clear. At the British Menopause Society, they flew in a, a brilliant researcher from Australia to talk about testosterone. Um, yeah. You know, there's so many women in the UK rubbing testosterone on their legs and getting, getting hairy legs. <laughs> um, um, and um, you know they made it very, very clear in the in this um, in this uh, talk that the the evidence for there's lots of studies on testosterone in women. Um, there is no conclusive evidence that it's going to really help. Um, and just measuring your testosterone in your blood is not a, a really good indicator of of how your testosterone is. And that women do always have some testosterone, and it actually goes up. Um, when we're in our 60s, which I was like, <laughs> bonus again. Um, but um, then, so obviously we did some tweets, some of us did some tweets about this talk and there were people saying, oh, this is rubbish. I, uh, My testosterone has changed my life and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you're going to get these people who say, but for me, my N of one, um, you know, it's worked for me. And if things work for people, that's fine, but that's not scientific. In science, we don't look at an N of one. No. We do population studies. We look at large populations of people. And that's the scientific data. And that's what we have to go with. Yes. So uh, Yes. Not extrapolating know. from a few people's comments or even very small studies doesn't necessarily mean that we are we're able to say that that's a generalized statement. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. As a scientist, I mean, I usually would roll my eyes when people say, well, we had five people say something. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, go away. <laughs> I don't have five people Same. saying something, you know, I want to see it. I want to see it, you know, demographically represent, represented and, and therefore I might be able to actually do some statistical analysis and learn something from it. But, but I mean, it's the same. You mentioned hormone testing there. That has become... Uh, very popular to push, um, but it doesn't show anything, does it, Joyce? No, I, I I wrote a book last year. I published it last year. I started writing my book in 1987, and I started pub- I started writing it because I was just started then in the fertility field, and so many of my friends were trying not to get pregnant or get pregnant and didn't understand their bodies. And I 
now have friends in the menopause who are in the, the same friends who still don't know how their body works. So I, I finally wrote my book, which I started 30, over 30 years ago last year, but I, I included a chapter in the menopause and made it very clear that all the data or every data says that we shouldn't test a woman over 45 for the menopause. If she's got menopause symptoms, it's obvious she's menopausal. We start the symptoms maybe eight to 10 years before we have our last period. Um, the average age of going through the menopause, in, certainly in the UK, is 51. So in your 40s, most women are going to start having some symptoms. Um, and so we don't, need, we don't need a test for it. But the main problem with a test, a test is great if it's, if it's absolute and it shows something. But with the menopause test, if we look at the hormones involved with the menopause, what how our hormones are one day and how they are the next day could be totally different. Yeah. The whole thing of the menopause is our hormones are spiraling down. Yes. With puberty, they spiral up, and in menopause, they spiral down. So looking at the one day or the next day or the week after or the month after are going to show very different things. So um, I keep hearing women, oh, I've had the test, or my doctor won't do the test. It's really... Not, we don't need to do it. If you're in your 40s, you've, you're getting irregular periods, getting hot flushes, getting mood changes, etc. You're, you're perimenopausal, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, and also doing the test doesn't really, it, you know, doing a test is useful if you're then going to act on that test. But we don't need to act on that test. If you're in your 40s, you're, if you're having really severe symptoms, yes, you might want to try HRT. There is other advice that the doctors should give you about your lifestyle and and that there's a whole information that they should give you. So we need to be aware of that and we need to start making those changes. So there's no point in doing a test. We don't need a test. Again, some of these big names are selling the test because they say, well, women want to test. <laughs> I, I, as I said, being a scientist, we shouldn't be giving the public false information so we shouldn't be giving them a test because they think they want to test and we charge them hundreds of pounds or yes. euros or whatever mm -hmm. to do this i really don't like women exploiting women or anyone exploiting women and you know we have the same with fertility yes. people say there's a fertility test uh, again measuring hormones and there's really not and now we're here with the menopause test so charging women lots of money for unnecessary tests and treatment yeah. is it really upsets me yeah. so you know if you're if you're in your 40s you, you feel like you're having some changes in your menstrual cycle in your symptoms then just accept that you're perimenopausal um, but again women in their 40s don't want to hear that because they say oh I'm too young because yes. we've got this view <laughs> that the perimenopause and menopause doesn't start till you're 51 and GPs some GPs oh, yes. say this. Yes. They say, oh, you're too young. No, you're not too young. You're not too young. And, you know, people go through the menopause at any age. Yeah. So we're not too young. We need to change that negative narrative. And we need to be accepting of it. We need to embrace it. And we need to see how we can best um, sail, hopefully sail through this. One of my colleagues said sail through this and he got slated. <laughs> No woman sails to the menopause. Well, depends how you look at life. Depends how you it look really... at life. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And that I think yeah. is a key message for the listeners. Depends how you look at life because I do meet people 
who are incredibly positive and very grounded. And they'll say, well, it didn't really affect me very much. I know it happened, but I didn't think my life was derailed. And and a lot of that does live up in here. I'm not saying we don't can't have a difficult time because the factors that can go into contributing your experience are huge. And they're not just about your hormones. They're about your whole life, really. So none of us know or some really know what we're going to come up against. Absolutely. And I really do not want to dismiss at all those women that have a really life-changing time at the perimenopause, which really affects their lives in such a severe way. We had many women in our surveys tell us they felt suicidal. So I absolutely am not undermining that at all. I really appreciate that. For some, it's it's really extreme. But if we think of of our menstrual cycle, for some women, their periods are really extreme. I've been asking in schools how the teenagers are feeling about their periods. Some of them have said really, really strong language about how they're they're incapacitated, they faint, they're sick, they can't get out of bed. You know, for some women, our reproductive health can have a hugely negative effect on our lives. And I always stress to women, we should not just be feeling, oh, we're women, we should just get on with our women's things. No, we should be going to the doctor. I I tell the young girls in school, please, if this is affecting your life, go and ask your doctor to be referred to a gynecologist. We should not be dealing from a young age, these problems that affect our daily life. And the same comes to the menopause. There are women who will really, really have a severe time during the menopause and they absolutely need top quality advice from an experienced doctor ideally a menopause expert i think it's i think i really think that treatment of severe menopause symptoms is too much for a gp you know if you had a heart condition or cancer you wouldn't go to your gp you go to a specialist you do so i really really feel yes We've got to educate women, but on the other side, we have to educate our GPs for the basics to understand the yes. symptoms, identify the symptoms, and give some general health advice, which hopefully would deal with with most women that can help most women. But for those that have really severe life threatening uh, problems, they really need to go to a menopause expert because the the treatment for these complex situations is very, very difficult. And it's absolutely too much for a general doctor to do. Um, So we need to have these specialists. Um, There are so many indications, uh, you know, if you've got thrombosis or high blood pressure or heart disease or whatever, your treatment of your menopause needs to be very, very specific. And it needs to be done by an expert doctor, not not your general doctor. No, I I would totally agree with that because, I mean, GPs are wonderful, but they're there as a sort of first aid in many cases. And and Mm. Sweden actually has a very strong referral system, as do countries like the US where you pay or Australia because you, you know, user pays, you get a different system again. But but here I think women are, I don't think GPs are just allowed to prescribe HRT anyway. I think you have to have a special license to do that here in Sweden. Not be and so you have to yeah, go. Okay. Some, I think, and they're very different. And here you would be referred, and that's part of the problem here because the backup, the the system is falling apart. So there's not enough trained people to take women on. But you can't just, you know, your GP doesn't dole out medication. You're nearly always referred to 
a specialist if something isn't if it looks more than just general stuff which feels right to me that I should yes. go to someone who is specialist and of course as you said women's symptoms can be very complex because they can be physio physiological but they can also be really significantly psychological or, or psychiatric care so knowing where to direct women is very important from a GP's perspective from our surveys, the, some of the women, women have said that the psychological problems was much, much more devastating to them than the physical problems. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the hot flushes and things like that were what they could cope with. But I, and I do and I do think those psychological problems are much more because they can often start first and, and women don't realise, you know, they start maybe feeling that they don't like their job, they don't like their partner, they you know, uh, they might have had a loss of libido. They, there's so many factors. They could start They could start having some cognitive issues. Um, and then, you know, lots of them have used words that they felt like they were going mad. They felt like they were having a breakdown. But knowing that in advance, also depression is a very big one, but knowing that in advance that in your early 40s, you could get this and it could be probably is the menopause, I think that would be reassuring to people. Otherwise, they think, why am I feeling like this? Um, so we, we don't want that. Um, but the HRT issue, so um, I'm, you're probably, I'm sure you're aware that in the UK, there's this view that every woman should take HRT forever, um, which many of us do not agree with. No. Um, I've, never, I've never taken HRT. No. I've, I'm 13 years post-menopause. I feel amazing. I, I recently asked my university friends. None of them are on HRT. I think we're from the slightly, those around 60 and above are from the generation where um, it was uh, much more frowned upon because we had some, some early research suggesting, I'm sure everyone knows yes. about the, the link with breast cancer and things. So we were reluctant to take it. But now what we're seeing is the younger generation and even the menopause being referred to as a hormone deficiency syndrome, which Just, I am totally against. I don't have a syndrome. No. I feel and I'm not deficient. <laughs> I, don't feel I think this is an outrage. I, you know, I've said this very publicly. I mean, really? You're saying every woman is going to be have a syndrome? I mean, this is, you know. So the women I know around my age, post-menopause, no HRT, are having a fabulous life and fantastic. We don't all have dementia. We don't all look like old hags. Uh, we have incredible full lives. I'm watching everyone do all these exciting uh, things in their lives. But then we've I feel bad for the younger generation now, those women who are in their 40s, who are getting this view that um, they're all, some, some of them have told me, I'm feeling guilty if I don't take HRT because, um, and also oh, some of their husbands <gasps> told them they had to take HRT. This, this, I know, I've had, honestly, this is going in our next paper. Some of the husbands said, you have to take it because they, with this view that you won't, you won't be able to have sex unless you're on HRT. Which That's is not, not true. true. I can tell you that I got remarried at 58. So go away. <laughs> not having that conversation, you know. Uh, no, it's appalling. Yeah. But that's also denying Joyce natural biology. I mean, if we actually think oh, about yes. that, we, we are anovulatory. So we don't have periods. We don't ovulate when we're girls. We go through a period of our life, which is not the biggest part of our life 
we are fertile, we have periods, and then it ends. Now, why we have that and why we're one of the few species that does that, who knows, because whatever evolution has determined that that should be. But, you know, we're going to live 30 to 50 years on the other side of of medicine. We can't be decided that we're deficient and somehow have a syndrome and ill. That's that's an appalling label. It's it's absolutely appalling. I I, I could honestly I could talk rant, <laughs> rant I could rant about this for a long time. And you know, for, for the drug companies making HRT, how wonderful to put half the population on your drug till they die. Wow, that's great. That's great yeah. marketing. That's really good. anyway. Let's yeah. mark that. I might get sued <laughs> but we did. We, but we but, did um, say something about GPs here being frontline. I mean, what do what do GP what do GPs get as training now? What do they need to know? And what do other healthcare practitioners like psychologists and the like also need to know? So they all need to be able to understand the symptoms when the symptoms start. And there's some general advice you would give women. And when I've when I've asked women so who went to their GP about the menopause, I said, what did they say? And so far, everybody has said they have told me that I need to look after my health, I need to eat well, I need to exercise. So so that's starting to get through. Uh, but identifying the symptoms is definitely still a problem. From our surveys, that was the, the biggest issue women had, being sent away from their GPs when they've gone, you know, even women 45, 48, being told they're too young. So, so, but, so the British Menopause Society has got a course for GPs. It's uh, and I teach on we at my hospital we have a, a GP training day. I, I always feel that we're talking to the converted. The ones who are at the GP training day are the ones that probably know quite a lot anyway. Um, but what we've got to do is we've got to make this much earlier. So we've got to embed this in their medical curric- school yes. curriculum and make sure that they they really understand this. But I think um, I I don't know about you, but I think for for most of us in the UK, I think. You know, we do use Dr. Google um, and we most of us go to our GP already with, uh, you know, a, a mini degree in that topic that we think we might be affected by. So, um, you know, we I, I, I think, yes, we've got it's not it's not rocket science to in, improve the education of our GPs. But as I said, they're limited by what they can then do. So I, I think going back full circle it's important to educate women and men everyone of all ages um these are the symptoms i I recently did a youtube video just of the symptoms so many of my friends um tell me they've got these things i said that's perimenopause and again they say to me no no yes don't worry embrace it and in in our surveys one, one important thing one of the great well there's several great things about being post menopause many great things actually but if we think about our menstrual cycle, no more periods. Yes. Oh my goodness me. No more menstrual cycle, no more PMT, no more need for contraception. So I think those just those things in themselves are amazing. And I've asked women in our surveys, how do they feel about no longer having a period? And the vast majority totally welcome yes. that. And you know, I've just I've just been at a festival and one of my friends was um on her period and I I just I you know I remember I was like wow I haven't even been thinking about that you know I do lots of sports I swim I you know just not having to worry 
can't worry, I have to worry about leaking. Have I got the protection with me? Have I got this, that, and the other? And, and you know, am I going to get grumpy? Am I going to want chocolate every day? You know, all those things. I, I, I said to everybody when, when I first went through the menopause, I said I feel like a cloud has lifted from my head and that I now feel totally yeah. level, like a calm sea, whereas before I was sometimes a calm sea and then sometimes turbulent. Yeah. Now I am just a calm sea. And that for me psychologically has been such a wonderful, wonderful part of being post-menopause, just waking up every morning and not worrying what my hormones were going to do to my body and brain that day, just feeling me every day. I feel me. And that is really wonderful. Absolutely. And I think that's why you can blossom at this time and bloom because you're not led by your menstrual cycle anymore. And we should be yelling about that and screaming from the, Mountaintop. I agree. You know, that's just- <laughs> no more, pro- and it's often progesterone and estrogen uh, to, it, impacting centers of the brain that are linked to our emotions. And we know that that stops because we're at a much lower level of hormones. There's this calm space in our heads. And from that place, my God, we can take on the world, but in our own way. And we don't put up with any BS either. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I didn't want to. That's one of the reasons I didn't want to take HRT. I thought, let's see what life's like without these two hormones that have governed my life for all these decades. Let's see what it's like. And I loved it. I love not having those. Yeah, I did have to get through the symptoms of the perimenopause, of course, but I really loved not having them. And you know, some of some of the words I'm hearing people say, you know, you know that. You'll be calmer if you take HRT. You'll be this, that, and the other. I, I personally don't agree with. I really don't agree with. So, um, yeah, sorry I keep going back to HRT, no. but it's just so much. <laughs> There's so much there. The yeah. But, yeah, but no, I really don't feel sufficient. I feel absolutely. It, it's a great, great time. And we've got to ensure younger women know that this is a, a really wonderful time of their life for sure Joyce on that note we should end this because I think that's left it in this positive uplifted mode that you and I and millions of women actually around the world feel just like we do and we can we can get through this time and come out the other side and embrace the next chapter of our life Joyce and we will thrive. Yeah, we will thrive. <laughs> that's for sure. That's for sure. That's what we're doing. I mean, your your work and your books are available, are they? Where people can get hold of them and read and learn more about it? Yes, they're to- totally. The, the books are, um, my book is totally freely available. I'm, I'm been toying with my next book and it's going to be Life Over 50. I was going to write my book just about sex, actually. <laughs> that would be a good book too. <laughs> There will, there will, there's a chapter on sex in my other book, but um, I will have some ch- chapters about sex for um, and relationships with people being single, married for decades, married, newly, ma- newly married, etc. Uh, but it's going to be life over fish. It's going to be a very. Uh, I'm going to interview people um, from with all different issues and walks of life, and ask them about life over fifty. And I hope it will be a really positive book. It'll be a few years. I'm just. <laughs> at the beginning but um i I hope it'll be a really positive book to help 
especially women, it's going to be aimed at women, um, to, to thrive. I love your, your title, to thrive through these next chapter of their life and really make the most out of their lives. So that's that's really where I want to, to work on next. But yeah, and all our papers we write are open access. Um, so I'm just updating my website at the moment, but I'll, I have links to those. You can just Google my name or Google, you see the title of a paper, um, it will be there. But there's a, I have a whole range of menopause papers um, coming out now. And on the 1st of September, we're issuing our survey, launching our survey specifically for black women because surveys are traditionally yes. filled in by white middle-class women. And I'm so privileged to be working with a great uh, group of women who um, came to me and said, please, please, can we do this? Specifically aim it to black women. We've got to hear their, their voices in this. And then we'll be repeating it. When that's closed, we'll repeat it for Asian women. Um, so that's being launched on the 1st of September. Um, so yes, we've got to hear what women think. What do they think? And we've got to then help them with knowledge. Wonderful. We will put links on that. We'll certainly promote these surveys so that as many people as possible can get on and share their views because it's very important that we have a rounded, inclusive and diverse view of menopause. Joyce, it's been a pleasure having you here. I'm sure we could talk and rant for a very long time. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And, and you know, us positive women need to stick together. We do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Thriving Through Menopause. If you like this podcast episode, please hop over to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com and rate and review it. And thank you if you do that because it helps others to find the show. Want more news and views on perimenopause and menopause? Then sign up to my weekly newsletter, Heart of Menopause, over on Substack. Thank you once again for listening. And see you next week for another guest interview helping you to thrive through menopause.